Hey folks, welcome to the House of Krause. I'm Richard Krause. Today we have, well, I don't know, whatever you call a group of film directors, more than two film directors. Uh, is it a herd of film directors, a congregation, maybe a troop, a colony, an army of film directors, whatever it is, that's what we've got going on today. A little bit later on, we're going to hear from Denis Villeneuve. Now soon, you will see his name emblazoned under the director's credit on the new Blade Runner film. I think it's called Blade Runner 2049, starring Ryan Gosling. That's next year. This year, he's got a film out called Arrival, with Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and some aliens. We're going to talk about that film, but specifically, we're going to talk about his love of science fiction. First up, though, we're going to meet uh, the minds between movies like Shrek Forever After and Mr. Peabody and Sherman. It's uh, Walt Dorn and Mike Mitchell. They have a film this weekend in theaters called Trolls. Now, anyone that grew up in the 1970s will remember the trolls. They were vinyl creatures with kind of day glow, eraser head hair, big goofy smiles. They invaded pop culture, decorating everything from rear view mirrors to teens' bedrooms. Unlike modern day internet trolls, however, these creatures were joyful, hug happy little things with more personality than your average pet rock and a ubiquity that made them one of the symbols of a kinder and gentler time. Uh, the new film is about happiness. It's about finding your bliss. It's about making sure that whatever happiness you find is the real deal and not a substitute for happiness. So I thought it was appropriate to talk to Mike Mitchell and Walt Dorn all about the essence of what it is to be happy. Poster, I look at it and it says, find your happy place <laughs> on November 4th, just days before the election. <laughs> yeah. Is that some kind of subliminal message? I, you know what, we lucked out with the timing, we really did, but, but when Walt and I set out to make this film, we did want to make a film about happiness because of all the news and the media is so like scary, not just for kids, but for adults, and the internet itself is so judgmental and snarky. Well, the world is kind of a difficult and dark place, and so putting something out there, we thought that, you know, talked about happiness, where it comes from, what happens if you lose yeah, it. Yeah, maybe got people discussing the power of a positive attitude and just to discuss right. happiness and maybe, I, I'm hopeful this will start a trend of like, it's okay to be happy, it's cool. <laughs> right. And and also, especially with this clowny, weird election <laughs> going on. Well, and again, that's when, it, when we started to realize these things are lining up just like that, you know, when they got to release it, we're like, oh, this will be the perfect kind of antidote yeah. to the madness of the world at that point. You can go in and you can And it has good. been. A lot of people have been, we've been taking it around everywhere and not only very strange yeah. people are dancing in the theater but they leave feeling better than when they went in that's like, right they're, they're like yeah. people are coming out happy so it's like hey it's working it's well, working it, well it's funny because for me i thought that it worked on two levels it works for kids obviously mm -hmm. yeah the kids are going to love the trolls kids who probably didn't know what they were i grew up with yeah them i don't think yeah right. and they were everywhere yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. They were, i remember them on rearview mirrors i remember yeah. them everyone girls had them in their bedrooms yeah. and yeah. there was <laughs> that one thing you know all hair, hair colors, all yeah, all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. Smelled kind of weird. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, but kids won't know. Kids today won't know what right. that is no. until November fourth, and then you know, well, that's and that'll be cool their about, version of, yeah. of it. That's yeah. what was cool about working on it is even though these guys have been around forever and ever, there was no story or no mythology to it. So Walt and no I got characters. to make a whole world. That's right, eh? like they yeah. were just sort of yeah. just these funny little things that you had in yeah. like Beanie Babies, almost. Right. There's know? no. Yeah. There's not even a specific character. There's no lead. 
and that was characters. perfect so, for us because we're like, oh my gosh, we could create a whole world you've never seen before, create all new characters you've never met before. We've worked on so many other movies where it's like, yeah. you know, the Shrek franchise. And SpongeBob. And it was stuff SpongeBob that was Bob's great stuff. and we liked. And then Chipmunks for You. It was like, mm -hmm. But it was it was kind of already established. Right. So it was one of those rare moments where Where we could take artist. everything that we've learned from every, every place yeah. else and just put it into this film. Yeah. yeah. And let's twist back then to the happiness angle then. Was that the, the starting place? You're like, okay, yeah. we've got these crazy looking things let's yeah. see like what what's the tone and then yeah, you come yeah. up with this and you think okay well the, it's not only the tone it's kind of the point of the story right Absolutely. i mean we even yeah. i we to, you're not going to believe this for, for because the <laughs> film is like irreverent and silly and funny and, and psychedelic psychedelic and like all and these colorful. things that we want it to be but when we start off like i was looking at ted talks about happiness like for real yeah. really digging and into and this it. great well, harvard study i think it's been going on for like four decades have you seen this it's they've been studying happiness like the source of happiness right. and and so we, we looked at all that stuff and I only to find there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no one. And there's well there's like different definitions of happiness. And there's yeah. one that's kind of bliss, you know, and right. one that's more fleeting. And of course what we explored was like how the Bergens, they eat trolls and it makes them feel good, like this external, external. source, but it's not a lasting happiness. Yeah. So with that, we really had all those discussions at the beginning of the film, and that helps drive the narrative and how we write it and what the color is and what the music is. Because again, it's so silly and fun and musical, but we to have people talking about something, especially now, it's talking about happiness was mm -hmm. important to us. Well, what has been the reaction of kids who have seen this? Because the Bergen stuff, especially when we first, I think it's when we first see them, and it's yeah. terrible there. Yeah, it's, it's awful it's there. Yeah, yeah, it's not fun. Happy and, <laughs> yeah. and so how are kids reacting to that, and what are they saying? It's yeah. funny because the, the thing that the kids, from showing it around, mm -hmm. really interesting, the thing that the kids react to the most is um, there's a portion of our film where they play True Colors. Yeah. And usually kids rock in their seats in the theater, and they're ne they never are quite quiet, and they move around, they ask a lot of questions. When it gets to that part of the film, what's happening with the two lead characters, I've never experienced this in a mm -hmm. theater before. It's quiet. It yeah, is quiet as a church. The chairs don't rock. The chairs don't rock. Yeah. And this is little kids, yeah, too. Yeah. There is not a peep. And I think what kids are reacting to is they really notice that, like, this super positive person, I think they're, it helps them realize how, how powerful a positive attitude is. Yeah. The super positive character they've been laughing at and rolling with the whole time, she's lost her positive yeah, they attitude they and they really, really react to that. I mean, we never set out to make a movie for kids. It's not, you know, it's not what we do. It's like we love the challenge of making a movie for everyone and we're keeping everyone in mind. And of course, you have to keep in mind that young people are going to watch this, so things need to be clear. But it was funny talking about the Bergens in the beginning of the film, the stakes. And it was like, and, and we <coughs> like this device because it really was great stakes that the Bergens ate the trolls. And it's kind of an yeah. old fairy tale tradition. Well, the studio really freaked out. And they were like, a little scared. Well, I thought they it was were scared. Dark. They like, told when us when they first yeah. had wind of it, I thought it was pretty dark. But they were Walt scared. Walt and of I were, were yeah. huge fans of fairy tales, yeah. old fairy tales. And they're and, much darker than and that. And man, I mean, those fairy tales have... always have some, someone going down, getting their heart yeah. taken and out. So we found that the, actually the, the younger viewers. They don't cool have a problem with it. It's the yeah. parents trying to protect them. Well, I think kids can handle a lot of yeah. darker stuff than we yeah. give them credit for, and that's why things like Where the Wild Things Are and stuff right. like that, which yeah. is not just it's, it's not just sad. It's kind of a little melancholy. It's even more complex <laughs> than, yeah. than just being kind of kind sad. Of this you know? existential woe. Yeah, you know? yeah, this ennui that comes yeah. and, and you, you know, kids don't typically have to deal with it, but they can deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe they should. It's, yeah. it's. A, I mean, yeah. there, a lot of these animated films these days are getting pretty deep. And they're specifically about emotions. 
it, I wonder, that seems like a trend, doesn't it, lately? Like a yeah. lot of yeah. emotional like emotions. And, and, and was that what it's called? No, yeah. Inside, inside Out. Yeah. 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 Again, I think it's a great uh, genre or a medium to help ask these bigger questions, right. these big yeah. existential questions about happiness and optimism in the face of adversity. And because it, it, it comes under the guise of lots of color and fun and yeah, jokes, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're placed with this real question. I think it makes yeah. it palatable, you know? It's yeah, like, right. It'd be too heavy. Like it doesn't if it feel was like, like it's if I was doing a live out. action film, it'd be yeah. too heavy to yeah. have that theme. Yeah. But here it could be super yeah. fun. And, and why trolls? Like, was it one of those things? And I don't mean to sound dismissive about this at sure, all. But yeah. it was, you know, the studio goes, "Hey, we own the rights to this thing, and we don't know what to do with them." Is that, 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 yeah, that was a part of it. They, the, yeah. they, the yeah. studio had trolls. They, had they didn't trolls. know what to do with them. And Walt and I came in. We're like, again, there was no story, no mythology to these. We're like, we'll tell you exactly what to do with them. Yeah. And we had this idea that we were really jazzed by. And um, I'm buddies with the guys that directed the Lego franchise, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and um, those guys did a great job with like, you know, taking those things. Well, it was always, thing with no characters and yeah, you know, yeah. And again, yeah. and they said they didn't want to make a commercial, you know, and that. Yeah. And so it was nice to talk to them, and we had the same feeling. Like we wanted to create this universe and this world and these believable characters. So. And it just happened to be like this character fit right into what yeah. we wanted to do. It was yeah. perfect. And will there be though mar- merchant? I mean, are we going to see trolls in every again? I see some. I see some there before. They're going to be around. I mean, we definitely, you know, we don't. We're not really a part of that. Yeah, we're not part, part of, of that. Studio, you know, but, we focus um, on our our story we're telling. Right. But I know, you know, they involved our art department to make sure you know there was quality. Yeah, our artists are, were really excited. Like towards the end of this film, they were winding down, and then they they had them like designing other stuff from what I mm-hmm. heard so yeah. the artist got into that yeah there's always something else there's always, there's always the something stuff, else right? is yeah, there yeah, do you yeah. promise I hope <laughs> <there's something else. laughs> that's the goal so you know we, we we talked about the news and downer and all that yes. kind of stuff what do you want people to take away from this because find your happy place good message but it's not the only message right no right again uh, optimism in the face of adversity I mean, first of all, we want them to have a really great time and feel really good, you know, about being alive and about being emotionally connected to the people you care about, like those kind of things, and we want to have a good time, but it is optimism in the face of adversity and the fact that we all can be happy, you know, that we're all Everyone's capable of being happy. Well, we're born with this innate ability to be happy. I listen to a lot of Deepak Chopra and Thich Nhat Hanh making this film, and they all would say the same thing. It's like whether you're living in a village in Vietnam, you know, it's just like, and in fact, the the more you struggle, the more it's empowering to hold on to this this idea that I can be happy. It's it's up to me to how I look at the world. It's like Dale Carnegie, the power of positive. <laughs> yeah, thinking. totally, absolutely. Right? I mean, it's it's it really works on me because I'm like he's uh, optimist and I'm a pessimist, mm. and so that's how we kind of approach directing this film was we had a balance you took care of the Bergens yes <laughs> that's right and and then uh, in making it like Branch yeah. I like I discovered that the power of that I, I discovered that I think a positive attitude is underrated right. these days well it seems really naive you know and people think it, it seems it's, silly it's dismissed it, yeah it really it's is because we're too cynical now too yes. cynical yeah, it's because we're too cynical <laughs> why do you yeah. think that is is that I don't know you know I, 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 I'm not sure I, you know I, I will tell you I was talking to someone uh 
else today, uh, someone who knows my wife really well, who, who um, and, and they've been friends for a long time. And we were talking, and he said, well, one of the things that I love about your wife is that she finds the joy in things. That's and awesome. I'm like, and I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but she does. And yeah. know, she will be delighted by things still. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, it's kind of lovely. But I think I'm a little bit too cynical, and I don't know why. Yeah, I think it's a defense think, yeah, mechanism. I think, yeah. I think it's to survive in the world, you have to be a little cynical, at least today. And that's what like that, that's what this Why film explores. Just because of the because stuff it's, that's it's going a on? complex is it the internet, social media, social media. and it's a, I it's think a, it's social media. It's a complex world that we live in, yeah. you know. And it's not like a caveman surviving the saber toothed tigers. It's much more rich and existential. Kind well, I'll of say suffering. this too: things move very fast, super duper well, fast. Think now. about like you know. Okay, my grandmother lived to be almost a hundred years old, and in her life, she saw cars for the first time. She saw electricity for the first time. She saw you know all that kind of stuff, right? And then shit didn't change from about for a 1950 long time. Yeah. up until about 1990. Stuff yeah. kind of stayed the same. That must then, have been great. Yeah. That yeah. must have been great. You know, and then, and then yeah, yeah. it was a slow ramp, but then <laughs> faster and sort of, you know, spinning yeah. out of control. And that's, when, and like, that's where we are now. And that's where sarcasm was king. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah like, you're it's right. It's all just sarcasm and, yeah. Oh. It's all right. Well, this film will fix it. This film's going to fix everything. Fix At least it's a step in the right direction. Until the eighth or ninth or whatever it is. <laughs> <Right. relax. Yeah. laughs> that was Walt Dorn and Mike Mitchell. They are the co-directors of The Trolls. We continue our director-heavy episode of the House of Krauss. It's a swarm of directors today with Denis Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve, Polytechnique, Maelstrom, Prisoners, Sicario. It goes on and on and on. This guy is a visionary director, and that's a word that gets thrown around often, uh, but it's a word that actually applies in this case. His new film is called Arrival. It's a humanistic sci-fi film. Amy Adams plays a woman who sees life kind of on a fractured timeline. You'll know what I mean when you see the film. She plays Dr. Louise Banks, a linguist recruited by the U.S. military to communicate with giant aliens who have landed in Montana and 11 other sites worldwide. Are these aliens scientists? Are they tourists or are they warriors? That's what she has to find out. This is a movie about the beauty of language. It is a sci-fi movie, but it's not exactly a sci-fi movie. Anyway, I'll let Denis Villeneuve explain it to you. Tell me what it was uh, about the short story, story of your life, uh, that made you think that it was cinematic, that made you think you wanted to spend, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe three years of your life working on it. My first uh, two things. Uh, When I read the short story, uh, uh, I was mesmerized by strength and the beauty of the ideas in it. Mm-hmm. But I said to the producer, my first reaction, I said, listen, guys, it's because I was in contact with a short story first, not a screenplay. So I received, a, a, I was talking to uh, two producers in, in Los Angeles, Dan Levine and Dan Cohen. And they were asking me what we would like to do next. And I said, I would love to do sci-fi. And then they said, we, we have this in, uh, in our drawers right now that uh, could be promising. I read it. And I thought it was a little masterpiece with fantastic ideas, but I came back to them and said, guys, it's, it's so great, a short story, short, strong story with uh, so much beautiful ideas. I have no idea to make a, how to make a movie out of this. 
It's like it's because the, the short story is really, I don't know if you read it, but it's like really about a process. And there's no real dramatic structure into it. It's really like a more of a, a journal, like of you're following someone through this process of trying to translate Canadian language. It's very, it, 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 it used all the strength of literature, but it's, a, it's not, a, it was, a, you were not seeing a movie as you're reading this right away, you know, that was no like. cinematic language but, at all, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it's like, so, and, and, um, uh, I said to the, to, uh, and I went, and at that time, I remember I was like, I think I was working on prisoners at that time. I was about to go to, to shoot another movie, and I said, listen, uh, I'll think about it. But uh, when I, I came back, they had, uh, uh, there was a screenwriter attached to the project that had, Eric Iser, that had cracked the structure and, and uh, was, had been able to... Uh, to find a way to express the stories through a, through a cinematic structure, and I, I thought uh, he did a, a fantastic job in that regard. And um, I, then I got attached to the, the project because uh, before that it was like a, a difficult to to see a movie out of, out of this. It's like um, I would say that uh, the idea is that uh, first is the idea that. Uh, uh, the, at the limit of the language, where, where you arrive at the limit of the language, you have to embrace your intuition in order to move forward and to, to, uh, and that that uh, intuition will um, bring you in, in new dimensions. I, I like this idea of, of uh, that uh, the, 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 the new frontier. What that instead of having someone to explore a new planet or someone that explore a new dimension, it was like. The limit was vocabulary. I, I just thought it was a very beautiful idea. And also I felt that it was a beautiful poem about our relationship with death. And uh, our, as North American, we were cut from that relationship. We, we were like lacking uh, link with the death. I mean, because we are in societies right now where we are pushing the boundaries of, of death. We are like trying to don't see the uh, effect of age of years on our bodies. We're trying to push the boundaries of, and uh, that death is almost like a taboo in our societies. Like you don't want to, people don't like, there's uh, some societies where this death is celebrated and our societies, I thought it's some more something that we are like, uh, so the, the fear of death is uh, so strong that I, I, I felt that was interesting for me as a North American to explore those themes. Well, it, it's interesting because I think that all of your movies are, have a great deal of subtext. And so, you know, just like they say, like the, the, the best sports movies are never actually about sports. You know, they're about more universal kind of things. And I mean, I, I, I kind of look at Arrival as being about, uh, for me, I walked away thinking, okay, it's about fear. And I see what you're saying, fear of death and fear of lots of other things, fear of the unknown. Uh, Prisoners was you know, uh, about a torture debate. Polytechnique obviously had had, had uh, uh, undercurrents, a uh, Sicario. Um, is it important for you that your films work on multiple levels? It's important for me that uh, it's like, uh, first, the most important of the of levels is the one, my, my intimate link with uh, a project. I am. I will be able to direct the movie. I will be able to direct actors. I will be able to translate uh, something into cinema if I can have a, an intimate link with it. That is, has an intimate meaning to me. 
Um, and, and that meaning is not something that uh, will necessarily be seen for the general audience. Sometimes there's some part of it that will, some people will feel. Um, but uh, that's one of the layers that is uh, very important for me as a director. And after that, I think that it's a privilege when you, you take a camera and you can ask people to sit two hours in a theater. So, I mean, you know, if you do that, it's, it's nice if, if it, it, uh, you use that privilege to try to explore something of, out of our reality, so to try to, to bring some, uh, some, uh, trying some poetry to, to, I don't know how to say that in English, uh, to, to bring some, uh, something poetic out of this world. And, uh, so it's like, a, it's a privilege to make movies, so that's what I want to say. And you're now uh, making, you know, you've got Arrival and, a, and a, another big science fiction film coming. So what, uh, what is it that you love about the science fiction genre? Because I don't really look at, at Arrival, I didn't walk away saying, oh, I just saw a, a, a big science fiction film, but it is. I mean, it, at its heart, it's an alien film. Yeah, but it, yeah, yeah, it, it is and it's not. I think that's what attracted me to it. It's like, uh, for me, Arrival, it's like when you, it's, uh, most of the um, science fiction movies are about display of technology, you know, uh, weaponry and, and uh, warfare, you know, it's like, it's, it's uh, it's not uh, an arrival. It's not that at all. It's like an intimate uh, story about a, uh, a linguist that is confronted to a, a huge challenge. You know, the, it's it's not um, in a way arrival. Is, uh, it has some elements of a sci-fi movie, but it's not really uh, maybe a real sci-fi. Uh, uh, I would say, as I said earlier. Well, uh, it's more, uh, it's closer to a, cult, a strange cultural exchange than uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, for me, it, it, I, I, as I was writing about it, I said something that it is uh, more about ideas than it is about, you know, little green men or whatever, you know, people think that it might be what you might have gotten if it was a Michael Bay film or, or something like that. So it's a much different thing. Uh, but when you grew up, uh, I've read a quote here and I just, I, I, I kind of loved it and I'll, I'll, I'll mention it to you and see how you react to it. He's talking about uh, science fiction and you said, the reporter asked you why you liked science fiction. And you said, well, I was very bad at hockey. It's true. I was about to. Uh, it's like uh, when you said you asked me the question, I was about to answer that. About, <laughs> it's, it's like it's true that uh, uh, I was really uh, a dreamer and uh, uh, I was raised uh, um, surrounded by, I mean, by uh, uh, science fiction coming out of Europe. Right. Like comic strips, or, or uh, I remember there's a, there, there's a moment I remember vividly at a very young age. One of my aunts came home one night, and she had brought two or three big. I think it's like two big boxes, cardboard boxes filled with magazines for me. And I was quite young, and those magazines were like uh, it's the, the people won't know those magazines because they were like Europe, European ones, but they were pilot magazine and metal urlan, heavy metal. There was like all magazines about comic strips about sci-fi, and that those like that the, those two boxes changed my life because the amount of poetry and creativity 
among those guys that were drawing those comic strip was is Moebius, Bilal, uh, Druyer. It's like Mezier, uh, uh, people that uh, Franquin, very strong storyteller uh, that were like Jodorowsky, you know, all those people were like uh, mad scientists that were playing with our brains. <laughs> and they really influenced me big time uh, as a youngster. And then came the... Uh, the wave of, of movies, of sci-fi movies coming out of U.S. that were like so strong at the beginning of the end of the 70s, you know. It's like, um, I was, I, I, I think it's, a, it's just a strong influence on. It's, it's, about, it's, a, it's about the poetry out of it, you know. It's like just the, the, the exploration of the unknown, the, um, the vertigo that is created by the unknown and that... Uh, uh, I think that's what attracted me to sci-fi. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you remember? And I do so clearly. Like the first time I saw Close Encounters with the Third Kind, and the impact that it made on me. Because I don't think I'd ever seen a science fiction film like that before. You know, Let me. I the, 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 about, right? the, the biggest uh, uh, impact of sci-fi was 2001. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Space Odyssey, because that I still remember. Uh, I think, uh, uh, of course, it was the first time I saw it, it was on the television. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, uh, I just remember vividly the impact of the vertigo that this movie created. That, uh, and it's, it's still one of the, even if I saw it on TV, I still remember it's one of the most impressive cinematic experiences I still have to this day. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I saw Arrival at the Roy Thompson Hall here in, in Toronto. So I'm with. 2,500 people, I think, or something like that. There's thousands of people in there. And you could have heard a pin drop throughout. People were glued to the screen uh, watching this, sharing this incredible, uh, this incredibly poetic science fiction experience or or movie-going experience. But it was really cool to be there with that many people because movie theaters aren't that big anymore. And to see it with that many people and to feel the reaction of the audience uh, uh, was was really something for me. What's it like for you? Do you watch your films with an audience or, or... Were you there? I think you were there. No, you weren't there that night. No, unfortunately, uh, I wasn't uh, to any screening this fall because I, I was sh- I'm shooting. So it was very strange for me to know that people were watching a movie for the first time as was I was behind a camera. You know, it was the first time. Usually I'm there to defend the movie, to, there to uh, represent, try to support it. And this time I wasn't able to do it. It was very strange. Um, the thing is... Um, when when I, I um, uh, when you arrive at the end of the editing process, I think it's a necessary evil, necessary pain to go through some screenings with an audience, so you understand if uh, what you are trying to express and communicate makes sense in the, in the eyes of. So I, I've been through some screenings. Uh, uh, from time to time, at the end of this, that, uh, but uh, never would, uh, never when the film was totally completed. And it was a movie that uh, was a very delicate movie to, uh, and that found is uh, equilibrium at the, at the very end when when all the ingredients came together. Because you can imagine that when you direct a movie where two of the main characters are like uh, digital, I mean, it's like. A, it's really right at the end that we saw we felt that the movie was coming alive to life yeah are, are there sleepless nights for you while all that's happening because <laughs> <laughs> you're someone who takes risks every movie that you make there's risks 
involved. It's, it's like it's part. It's, it's just a part of the creative process. Yeah. I think that uh, it's, it's. I think that you can, as a, as an artist or a filmmaker, you you can try. You can try to. Um, you can. I know I will not use the word achieve because it would be pretentious. But let's say that uh, you can try to go, to read something. Uh, uh, higher than the, the, the uh, I'm talking about your own as an artist, your, your own path. You know, to evolve as an artist, you need to, you need to, you need to break the mold in order in order to be able to evolve. So it's like a, it's a bit intense, yeah, as a process, but uh, uh, very uh, intense and, and rewarding when you feel that you 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 evolve through one movie to the, after the other. Right. Well, the, the Arrival got, as I'm sure you already know, got a great response here uh, in Toronto, and I'm sure it will when it hits theaters. That would be lovely because those movies are very expensive to make. <laughs> so I don't have that choice. <laughs> well, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you then. <laughs> that, that, you're, you're very sweet. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all for our swarm of directors. My thanks to Denis Villeneuve. Go see his movie Arrival and then hold your breath, cross your fingers and toes for Blade Runner 2049 when it opens in theaters next year. Also, thanks to Walt Dorn and Mike Mitchell. Their film The Trolls is in uh, theaters right now. It is a bright, psychedelic little piece of work that probably is the wildest, most colorful, most eye-popping piece of kids entertainment since HR Puff and stuff. Most of all though, I want to thank you for coming by. Every Monday, it would be a weird, empty experience to be sitting here chatting with everybody if you weren't along for the ride. So thank you for coming in. Be sure to check back every single week. We put a new show up every damn week. You know you want to be here. You know you want to hear the conversations because you just never know who's going to stop by for a visit. <laughs>